1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Here's your host, Alex Garrett.
0: Welcome to March. Hey, it's Alex Garrett and Alex Garrett podcasting. And we are on the adapting side of things today because once again, we've got another brilliant mind who is helping people adapt to this current environment. And she's right in our backyard in Brooklyn. Uh, Mamie, thanks for joining our podcast tonight.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Now, you are a CEO of Meteor, and uh, I'm excited because I sometimes feel like I don't talk to people in our own backyard. So, what is Meteor doing right here in Brooklyn and beyond? Let's start there.
1: Great. Well, Meteor is all about helping people have more effective and engaging meetings, and so we run meeting trainings and webinars, and have lots of resources available to help meeting leaders as well as meeting participants. Because it's not just up to a meeting leader to make sure that the meeting is engaging and productive and moves work forward.
0: And I'm talking, about, by the way, Mamie uh, Kim for Stewart. Uh, So tell us a little more. So we're in this pandemic still. We've got the Zoom fatigue going on, and I feel like you guys are doing incredible things to help aid, you know, less Zoom fatigue. So how are you transforming the Zoom and and the virtual workspace right now?
1: Well, the first thing I always tell people is that not everything needs to be a meeting, right? We have so many meetings back-to-back. So many of our calendars are just packed with meetings. And when we're meeting in person... That still feels overwhelming, but there's a lot of benefits that come from meeting in person where you get to build relationships, you get to, you know, just to move into a new space, leave your desk and go into a different office. Sometimes there's food. You just get the energy flowing. And we don't get all that when we're on Zoom, right? It's just, it's not as engaging. You don't get the same energy. You don't get to move your body around. There's definitely no food unless you brought it yourself. And so the first place to start is just to remember that not everything has to be a meeting. And to be really thoughtful about what is the best way to communicate, to collaborate, to get to the outcome that we need to get to. And if a meeting is the thing you need to do, great. There's lots of tips and tricks on how to have good meetings. But if a meeting isn't the right thing or isn't the only way, then consider an alternative format. Maybe that means a collaborative document, maybe that means an email, maybe that means sending and recording a video message and sending that instead of a live real-time meeting or instead of a written document. There's lots of other options that we can get into, but that's the first place to start is just to question, do I need to have a meeting or does it need to be a video meeting?
0: Do you think that's why, you know, you see these stories of someone showing up in just their pajamas or something that they may be wondering why even have this so why dress up? Do you think that's part of the mindset when you see someone not dressed well for a Zoom?
1: I think we're just experiencing a lot of overload and overwhelm and all of our norms are being challenged right now. Right. Like people before, you know, I've worked remotely for a long time. So there was a time where I was working from home and working remotely and I would never have my kids coming into the background. Right. They would be away at school. I would be in my office and you know, in my home and have quiet. And now we just can't help all of those interruptions. We can't help it when our kid comes in because they need help with the computer and they're on the resume to school. We can't help it that the dog is barking in the living room at who knows what. Like there's just, they're, we're not used to being in these spaces. And so all of our norms have just changed. And that includes our norms for getting dressed, right? Like, You know, no one can see you from the waist down. So I think it starts with, oh, I'll just leave my PJ pants on. And then, oh, no one can really tell if I did my makeup and my hair today. So I'm just not gonna do that. And slowly we've become accustomed to just not having the same formalities. And I think the big question will be, do we continue to have a more casual workplace? And we were already on that trend in many offices anyways, even when we were meeting in person. But will this trend continue? Will we end up having more casual workplaces in general when we do return to office work? Or are we going to uh, kind of shift back to a more formal attire, more formal expectations? I don't know. I mean, I have my own my own hopes for that, but uh, you know, I don't think PJs have a place in the office. But I do think that there's room for a more casual look in general.
0: Well, let me let me point out something with the workspace. You know, a lot of these NBA coaches, their workspace is courtside, and we know normally are used to them dressing up and really getting you know decked out for their game that night. These guys are wearing sweatpants on the sideline. You know, got on the Knicks You got all these other guys and I'm like what happened to the NBA coach they used to dress up for every
1: game yeah this is this is the new world we're in right like all of our norms are being challenged everything that is the way it used to be is kind of up for grabs now so you know it's all about making ourselves comfortable especially when everyone is so overloaded and so stressed out right like the last thing we need is to be you know, frustrated and overwhelmed and then also feel like we have to perform and do all these other things that feel superfluous to us. And so I think that gives us an opportunity to really revisit how we are making choices you know, in our workplaces and in the work that we're doing.
0: So how does Meteor help those workplaces be successful? Are you literally telling them don't have all these meetings? Are you telling your clients that?
1: Sometimes that that is definitely a benefit of getting to work with me and going through some of the trainings is to talk about why do we even have meetings to begin with? What are we trying to accomplish? And even that little nuance of shifting your thinking from why am I having this meeting, which many times the answer is to do something, to brainstorm, to discuss, to review, to plan, to whatever it is, into what's the outcome of this meeting that I'm trying to achieve? And when we shift to thinking about what's the noun, what's the outcome, what's going to be different at the end of this meeting, it starts to create a, a path that says, all right, this meeting is meant to accomplish something. So what do we want to accomplish? Because... Accomplishing a conversation doesn't doesn't really help us. We want to accomplish something, meaning maybe there's a decision that we're going to walk away with, or maybe it's a list of questions that we need to answer in order to move this project forward. Or maybe it's just that we are all going to have stronger relationships because we haven't actually talked to each other and been in person with each other for months on end. And so we just need some time together to strengthen our relationships and get to know each other again. Whatever it is, focusing on that desired outcome instead of just the activities or the the thing you're going to do in the meeting is the first place to start. And once you start getting clear on those outcomes, it starts to become a lot easier to realize, oh, maybe we don't need to have a meeting just because we put it on our calendar. Oh, maybe we don't need to have all these recurring meetings. I maybe mean, we should revisit why we're having this, you know, weekly check-in. What is that really all about? And one of the benefits of, of thinking this way is you can start to have fewer meetings and the meetings that you do have start to become more productive and more engaging.
0: Okay, so you get rid of the meetings per se. How do you still build uh, sort of a structure and sort of camaraderie with your colleagues even without the meetings?
1: Well, it's not that you have to totally get rid of meetings, but separating out what you want to accomplish in the meeting from the format of the meeting is, is the thing I want to hammer home here. So sometimes what we need to accomplish can happen without a meeting. So if what we're trying to accomplish is a brainstorm list of ideas for you know, how we're going to handle our upcoming staff retreat because we can't do it in person and we want to be creative. You don't need to be on a Zoom to be able to do a brainstorm, right? That's something we can send a Google document and say, hey, can everybody just put in some ideas? There's a couple prompts in there and, you know, maybe we'll have a meeting, but it'll only be a a 20-minute meeting to go through and prioritize the list of ideas of things that we want to consider. So we can do other ways of collaboration to start moving work forward before we have to jump into a meeting or as a follow-up to a meeting. If you want to build relationships, meetings are a great way to do that, but then make the meeting either fully about relationship building and say, let's have an hour-long con- just hangout and I actually suggested this to a client last week. that Instead of trying to build in relationship time in every single one of your meetings because you just feel like you have to say hello and what's going on and tell me about – you know, your weekend, which is great, but can also feel kind of superficial or can start to, like, bleed into your meeting time. And suddenly 15 minutes in, you're like, oh, my gosh, we haven't even started our agenda yet. Instead of trying to do that during the week, why not have a standing weekly, you know, 5 p.m. drinks? And at the end of the day, everyone is invited to grab a beverage of their choice, whether that be your 15th cup of coffee or a glass of wine, and have an open Zoom call. And anybody who wants to hop on can hop on. And it's just time to, like, hang out, as if you were all going to go grab a beer after work. And that can be one way that people can stay connected, can have those casual conversations. Right? There are other ways, too, like using a Slack channel or a Microsoft Teams channel where you post pictures of your family time or videos of, of your kids when you're outside hiking or, you know, your dog is doing something funny on the floor. But There are ways that we can build and connect and stay human without having to do it. In all of our meetings that are really designed about moving work forward. So, you wrote this
0: book, by the way, talking about uh, Mamie Kemper Stewart, uh, CEO of and founder of Meteor. This is this is interesting because I, I, I'd rather just have the camaraderie. And yeah, Zoom fatigue is a real thing. And, and so maybe meetings would be lesser. And we just got to build that structure around sort of the, the less meeting environment. But you wrote this book called Momentum Creating Effective, Engagement, and Enjoyable Meetings. So did the? I have to ask. I'm guessing the pandemic inspired this. and Maybe your own experience inspired this book.
1: Well, my experience definitely inspired the book. Not so much the pandemic, uh, but I grew up in a family business, and so I learned how to do meetings when working inside of that environment. And then when I left that that space and moved into um, the nonprofit sector and started working in other organizations, I was shocked at how poorly meetings were run because I thought everybody knew how to do a meeting. It was, you know, we go to meetings all the time. Of course people are, are trained. Of course we have learning materials on how to have good meetings. And when I discovered that, oh no, that's not true. Most organizations do not train their people on how to have good meetings. Most MBA programs and business school programs don't teach you how to lead a meeting. And I say that having gone to a, a, a graduate program for, for a master's of business. Meetings weren't anywhere on the agenda of our of our learning journey. And yet we expect people to know how to do this and we have them all day long. And so that was what inspired me to write a book and to start this business focus on effective meetings. Because if we can make our meetings more effective, we can make work more enjoyable, we can make work move more more quickly we can get rid of some of the big bureaucracy and the showcase of things not that everything moves slowly today so many things move quickly but meetings can often feel like a drag and they don't have to be they can actually be a time where people come together and we get to do our best thinking we get to build those relationships and move work forward in a way that feels really inclusive and really wonderful to be part of that organization
0: do you think this pandemic you know you're a CEO so I gotta ask Do you think titles kind of went out the window on these Zoom meetings? Like, did you find that there was some respect more so than before on Zoom because of what we were all going through? Or what was the respect level like when when you'd see these Zooms?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, You know, I think there's some value in the reduced hierarchy on Zoom, right? Like, no one is sitting at the head of the table. No one has any kind of special capability with their microphone. You know, we're all kind of in the same space. We all become humanized because we have our kids running to the background or our you know messy bookshelf behind us. And so I think there is some democratization that's happened through Zoom. Um, but I don't know that hierarchy has completely disappeared. And when you're working with a team for a long time, right, it's really hard to not look at the boss, whether it's on a tiny square on Zoom or in person or even reading an email from the boss, and not still see them as the boss.
0: Well, and the reason I ask that is because obviously – If you have lesser meetings, you won't get run down. Maybe it's because of the way the meetings are run. Is that a possibility
1: too? Well, when meetings are done well, they can be really energizing. When meetings are done poorly, they can be really draining. And we've definitely seen that meetings on Zoom tend to lead towards the draining side more so than the engaging side. And that's partially, I think, with maybe hierarchy and how people are running meetings, but also we've lost some of the techniques that we were maybe using before, right? we have now whiteboarding on Zoom, but it's not the same thing as being in a conference room and actually standing up and drawing on a whiteboard. We used to use sticky notes. Now there are some tools where you can use sticky notes online or you can use mind mapping and other things, but it requires a little bit of tech capability and a little bit of willingness to kind of fumble along and learn as you go and figure it out. And not every team and not every person is comfortable with that. And so we've kind of lost a lot of the engagement side. So there's been a, there's a lot of challenge with getting Zoom, not just the like exhaustion of our eyeballs staring at the screen all day, but just the energy and the engagement and the way that we can really get people's great thinking out of their brains and into the conversation. We've kind of lost some of that.
0: Do you know there was a 69% burnout from working from home, and do you think the 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 amount of meetings was leading to that kind of result? That yeah, these meetings are helping are helping along the burnout.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think there's so many factors that lead to burnout and work overload is absolutely one of them. And when you don't feel like you have enough time in your day to get through the work that's sitting on your to-do list, then of course, burnout is a natural (laughs) consequence of that. And if you're in meetings back to back to back, you don't have time for anything else. And then if you throw in working from home and having all the other complexities of dealing with family or dealing with COVID or dealing with anything else that you're now dealing with all of those elevated levels of stress, all those additional responsibilities that fall on your shoulders just compound. And so of course, meetings are one of the contributing factors. And if we can figure out how to have fewer meetings and make the meetings that we do have more effective, if we can figure out how to work asynchronously, so that people can work at the times that are easiest, most convenient, most energizing for them, whether that be midnight because that's your night owl and that's when your kids are asleep or at 6 a.m. because you're an early bird and your kids are asleep or it's 2 in the afternoon because you don't have kids. And like that's your prime time when you're just finished lunch and like raring to go, whatever it is that we can get rid of the the need to be real-time collaboration and instead move to asynchronous collaboration, I think we'll see some of that burnout go away, but not completely, because meetings aren't the only contributing factor.
0: So how many meetings in a day would you say you were having on Zoom, heading the pandemic, and then maybe now have you Im- utilized these practices in your own company to alleviate the meeting space for media or uh, staff as well?
1: Well, we were always a digital company, always working remotely, and all of our clients we work with remotely. So we were having Zoom meetings way before the pandemic, and we will continue to have them way long after. So I'm not sure that we're the best case study here, but I will say that clients that I've been working with, have seen a big shift. Many of them were fully in person before and had to shift to a fully remote um, now just about a year ago and so for them it has been quite a change and learning how to do effective meetings virtually has been a, a big learning curve and now what we're talking about is how do you have um, hybrid meetings. So. Because so many organizations are now thinking, well, maybe we're not going to require everyone to come back fully in person. Maybe we're going to allow people to work remotely or work from home one or two or three days a week. Or maybe we'll have some people in the office, some people out. So what does it start to look like when you're not all on Because that has its own set of of complexities when you have some people in the room together and some people on the screen.
0: And some people by phone, which also adds to it a little bit. Uh, So, as, I was, as you were, I want you to expand on that because the clientele, when they implement your practices, they must really be grateful for it. Like they're probably even shocked. Would you say they're kind of shocked that, wow, less meetings are working?
1: Yeah. I mean, I love, I love it when our clients have these big aha moments, right? And, and sometimes it's when it's, oh my gosh, we don't have to have a meeting. There's another way that we can collaborate. I just had this conversation with someone last week around sending asynchronous video messages. And instead of having to have a meeting, you can record yourself. Or instead of having to write this really long email or memo explaining something, you can record a video message on your phone and email that to people. And that could sometimes take the place of a meeting. It's just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. How come I never thought about this? And that feels great. And then there are lots of little ahas, too, where people say, oh, my gosh. Yeah, if we just ended our meetings by saying, what are our next steps? What are the key takeaways that we need other people to know about so that they're all, you know, anyone who wasn't here kind of knows what's going on? And what are the decisions we made? And can we actually write that down so the decision documented? And two days or two weeks later, we don't go, wait, what well, was that? This I my thought. I thought we said this. No, I thought we said that. Sometimes it's just those little things of ending your meeting with closure by recapping what are the next steps, what are the decisions, and what are the key takeaways, popping those into an email right then and there in the meeting and sending it out to everybody who needs to know. That kind of thing can also just reduce the number of meetings you have, or at least reduce the number of of emails and Slack messages back and forth of who's doing this and wait a second, how come that didn't get done. All of that other stuff that comes after the meeting can take up so much time and energy, and if we can simplify the follow-up, because the meeting itself did a better job of bringing closure and clarity, then that's another big aha that people like to have, that people seem to have, and it feels like even though we still are having meetings, the work between the meetings has suddenly gotten reduced.
0: Well, in addition to this whole idea of not having uh, a lot of meetings, I also have to ask then, um... The individuals you have individual clients where maybe they're nervous about being on a Zoom? Maybe they have anxiety about being during these meetings. How do you coach those that might be anxious getting on a Zoom and having people see them?
1: Yeah, I haven't had any clients who've been that articulate about their concerns with getting on the Zoom, but I have talked with clients who've said... Like, is it okay if we turn our cameras off? Do we have to have our cameras on all the time? Can, can we have just a phone call? Is it weird to just do a phone call? Is that allowed anymore now that we have video capability am I being rude if I just set up a phone call? And the answer to all that is absolutely, you do not need to have cameras on all the time. There's times where being able to see people is really helpful. If you're having a difficult conversation or you really need to be able to look someone in the eye or see their body language, then having a video is great. If it's the first time you're meeting someone, you're onboarding a new new potential team member, right? those kinds of things, you want to, of course, see someone on the screen. But if you're meeting with the same people over and over and over again, if you're not Sharing a document, if there's no reason you need to be looking at each other, you know, there's no reason to be looking at a screen, you can schedule a phone call or leave it as Zoom, but just have everybody dial in and turn off their cameras. And make it a walking meeting. This has become one of my favorites is now anytime that I'm meeting one-on-one with someone and it's not, uh, there's no reason we need to have our, our screens open, especially people I'm familiar with who I work with all the time. I tell them, I'm going for a walk. You want to put your headphones on and join me for a walk. That's great. And I've had people say, oh, I hear the birds outside back in the springtime or, um, you know, or I'll be like, oh, hey, wait, hold on a second. I'm a little out of breath. I just walked up a hill. And that's totally fine. We can use other modes of technology. We don't have to have our cameras on all the time and it's perfectly fine to turn them off even in the middle of a meeting if you need to step away, if you have a child who runs in, Um, creating those norms with your team and talking to your team about being able to not have to be on all the time on your video is great. Like have that conversation, decide how you want to use video, when you want to use video does not need to be a big deal.
0: You know, you're hitting on something that I I like to talk about, which is adaptation. So you're telling us even the Zoom meeting can be adapted not to have the camera
1: on 24-7. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely. That's why there's a camera off button, right? You can turn your camera off. And I literally did this today. I was supposed to be in a meeting with four people. Two of them canceled the one person who was staying on, uh, she and I decided we could keep going without the other two. We would send them the notes when we were done. So another thing, right, you can decide can this meeting still continue or not. We decided the meeting could continue without those two people and I said, great, I'm actually going to hop off of Zoom on my computer. I'm going to log back on on my phone and turn my camera off so that I can go for a walk. And I literally paced the hallway in my apartment here back and forth while I talked to her because I just needed to move my body. I've been sitting down for too many hours and I just wanted to move. And she and I have had many many meetings together. We know each other well. And she was like, great. That's totally fine. I'll see you in a second. And I hopped off the Zoom call on my computer, hopped on through my phone, put my headphones in, stuck my phone in my pocket, and paced back and forth for half an hour. And it was great.
0: That sounds actually kind of fun and relaxing. You know, you're you're considered a startup. Meteor is considered a startup. I saw that on Lean Startup believe, .com or .co. But the tech startups are really booming. So how do you guys at Meteor set yourself you know, above those competitors that are startups in the tech space right now?
1: So we're not a tech company. We did have a tech platform at one point, and we decided that the better way that we could serve our customers is by helping them on the people side and really giving people the right skills and competencies to lead effective meetings and to participate in meetings and contribute effectively. And so we don't compete with the technology teams now. We see ourselves as a complementary to them. So if you're using Meet, if you're using Zoom, if you're using Slack, or using Microsoft Teams, and those tools are great. They all provide amazing technology that allow us to collaborate, to connect, but you want to figure out how do they help my people really get the most out of these tools, right? Because it's not just about showing up on a screen and suddenly your meeting is great. It's not just like, oh, I can now chat to people and now I know exactly what to say and how to say it. So. We see ourselves as a complementer to all of these different modes of collaboration. That so we can help you figure out what, when do you need to have a meeting, and when you do need to have a meeting, how do you set yourselves up to have the meeting be as engaging and productive as possible?
0: As a CEO, let's talk a little business. Because as a CEO, you're seeing what's happening to other businesses around the country with the you know job loss and everything. So um, I'm sure you're reaching out to those that may have not. Uh, been able to keep their job Are, are you bringing on people as well that may may have been fired from another job like how how have you been able to withstand all of what they're saying about the businesses during this is it because your uh company is so unique that you're able to withstand what the mom and pop shops are going through right now
1: well, I think it helps that we're completely virtual and all of our services have been delivered virtually for a long time. So we're very familiar with how to do trainings online, how to do coaching online, um, how to do meeting effectiveness and provide workshops online. So all of that has made us pretty sustainable. And as companies are trying to figure out how do they transition um You know, being able to find us online and and for us to be able to deliver our services to them, you know, and touch all of their people no matter where they are across the world has been really helpful for us. Um, And I think it's been uh, made us a trusted partner for a lot of organizations who are not sure what it means to be working virtually. And they've never had someone do a virtual training for their team members before. So to know that we've been doing that for a long time um, has just given them a lot of confidence in our work.
0: You know, it sounds like you've had a lot of experience in the remote working world. So is that what inspired you to start Meteor? Like, how did you become an entrepreneur, a businesswoman? How did you uh, finally decide to like, I'm going to get this off the ground and running?
1: The short story is that I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. I started my first business when I was 12. I started a summer camp because I thought I could do it better than the camp that I had attended. So I think I'd always known that I was going to be an entrepreneur. And when I stumbled upon meetings and realizing how frustrating meetings could be, um, that was really the thing that said, you know what, this is something I think I can build a business around. And I really believe that, you know, we spend eight, or more hours a day at work. So if we can make work a place that people feel good about going to, they feel like they can make a good contribution, they feel included, that they belong and they're welcomed as their whole selves, that their ideas and their opinions matter. If we can make work a great place to be, then I will have done something really wonderful for the world. And meetings are one of those key places where people either feel included or not, where they feel valued or not, where they feel like they can move work forward or not. And so when I stumbled upon this little insight that meetings are a major pain point for companies a major pain point for people and also something that it's not rocket science right these are skills that everyone can develop this is knowledge that is not that is really accessible once you just learn the tips and the tricks anyone can apply this Um, that really just sparked me into wanting to to solve this problem
0: and for those who and this is great because Meteor I also love to take on the name Obviously it's it's a play on Meteor, so I gotta ask, uh are you a fan of space? Are you a fan of that is that what led to Meteor becoming M E E T E O R
1: Oh, I wish. Um No, we needed a name. We had an earlier name that uh, turned out to be copyrighted. We couldn't keep using that. And uh, we were we're all racking our brains as to what could we call ourselves? And uh, someone started looking at words that were spelled M-E-E-T and M-E-A-T. And we just came up with all kinds of stuff. And then someone just said, I know, Meteor, meetings of impact. And when that that like just sent us all off and we're like, Oh my goodness, that is our name. That is 100% what we want to be, who we are. And so that, uh, that became it.
0: Did you ever think though, this, this kind of service would be so needed. Did you ever think that when you guys launched this, that yeah, this is now viable more so than maybe when in person was happening. Did you ever think we would see this crossroads? Uh, I, I guess you did, but m- maybe not so quickly.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been harping on meetings for, for years and years now, and, uh, you know, for a long time, I would get, a, uh, oh, yeah, some meetings are terrible, but, oh, we're not really going to do anything about that. And the pandemic has really changed that because all of the things that made meetings bearable before disappeared, right? We talked about this for a second, on. Um, you know, you don't get to move your body, you don't get to go to a new space, you don't get to see your colleagues in person, just, you know, kind of smooth it up a bit. All of that disappeared. And so suddenly we couldn't really handle the crappy meetings we were, we were putting up with before. So, you know, I didn't expect that there'd be a pandemic. I didn't expect that the pandemic would uh, spark people to really revisit how they're doing their meetings. But I'm hoping that the changes, and I'm confident the changes that our clients have been experiencing through our trainings and the, the changes that people are making making on how they need will last into the future and make our future meetings and our in-person meetings so much more effective and more enjoyable.
0: And, and since we're both from New York, I got to ask you personally, being in New York during this whole time, it, it's been different for us than across the nation, wouldn't you say?
1: Of course. I mean, being in Brooklyn when you're in a tiny apartment and don't have outdoor space is not easy. And my family and I actually left Brooklyn after a bit of being in New York and we moved into my parents' house um, in western New York State because we have two little kids and we decided that we needed you know, we had a place to go. We decided we could we could benefit from having some outdoor space as well. So, you know, we still have friends back home, and we're really excited about the time when we can come back to Brooklyn and be in our home again and be with all of our stuff and be with all of our community because Brooklyn is an incredible place. And it is a hard place to weather the storm of a pandemic. It is not like anywhere else in the country, for sure.
0: It's also been home to like this rise in, in businesses starting up, literally. It's, it's been like sort of a startup alley over there. And um, I'm glad you mentioned coming back because how do you uh, maybe impl- implement everything you've learned in the pandemic into the workspace when in-person happens again?
1: So, you know, it's a good question. I don't know how everyone else is going to do it. Again, my team is all remote, and so we don't have a return to the office expectation. Um, we're going to continue to work remotely as we were before. But I know many of my clients are thinking about this and what does it look like? What does it mean for technology needs in our conference rooms? And um, There were a couple of clients before where I would call in and, and to work with them, and they were all – sitting in one room in person, and that's super different than if three of them are sitting together in person and three of them are on their own Zoom calls, and I'm on Zoom, and, you know, how do we make that work? So it's something that we've just started exploring with some of our clients as they're now thinking about what does that return to the office look like for them. So I, I don't know how else to answer that question than to say it's something that we're working on. And I'm
0: sure you're going to guide them every step of the way. Uh You know, is this. And so, yeah, it's just been very cool to get to know you because I could see the passion for I could see the passion for Meteor. Um, One thing that did cross my mind, though, because I've seen stories of people investing in these different companies. and, and, And so if people wanted to help you get further off the ground, how can they do that?
1: Well, I would say a couple of things. The first is check on my book, Momentum, Creating Effective, Engaging, and Enjoyable Meetings. Um, Buy a book for yourself. Give a book to a manager, to a colleague, to someone who you know could benefit from learning how to do better meetings. Um, Secondly, we run workshops and trainings on meetings. And so, again, all of these skills are super practical and applicable to meeting leaders, to meeting participants. It's not rocket science. You don't have to have any kind of special facilitation, collaboration, magic in your hands. You know, we we make it really applicable and, and accessible, and so that's the other space. I would say is if you need help or if you know people who could benefit from meeting training, to check out our trainings online. Um, that that's really the best thing you can do. And and what is the website, just so I can get it out there? Yeah, it's meteor.com. dot com. M e e t e o r dot com. And one last thing: Are you are
0: you a lifelong New Yorker, or were you? Did you move here? What what's your New York uh, connection like? How did you get over to New York? Were you born here?
1: I was born in Akron, Ohio. Did a little tour of the Midwest, a little time in Europe, and then came to New York, uh, twelve almost thirteen almost thirteen years ago. And uh, Brooklyn has been my home for all, except for this little short of of the pandemic, and I can't wait
0: to get back. Well, hopefully we can welcome you with open arms. You know, the whole city can uh, when you come back. Uh, What's one thing people may not know about you, uh, Mamie, that you'd be willing to talk about here? I always ask my guests that. One thing people may not know about you.
1: Oh, well, there's so many things I could say, but the thing I'll share is that I am a musician at heart. I play three instruments. I love making music. It's one of my ways of relaxing. It's one of the ways that I love to bring people together and build community. And there's nothing more fun than uh, leading a piano sing along. So uh, I just I love music and I love making music. And I wish meetings could all have started and end with music
0: hey, why not throw some dance party music there, you know, just to get people relaxed. I think that's another thing about the Zooms. People need to be a little more or less tense on camera. But as you say, you can always turn the camera off. Uh, and the takeaway I'm getting is that momentum comes with maybe less meetings. Would that be sort of your final s- summary of all of this, that less meetings help you bring momentum to your workplace? I don't
1: know if it's necessarily less meetings, but I think it's, better meetings. When you know how to lead effective meetings, then you get to have meetings that are shorter, you can have fewer meetings, and the meetings that you do have are more enjoyable and more engaging. And so when you follow some of the practices we talk about in the book, you don't have to do every single one, right? It's not like if you don't have the whole kit and caboodle that you, you know, you should just do nothing. Every single practice, if you just apply that, will help make your meetings more effective, more engaging. And of course, having fewer meetings is always, almost always, a good thing
0: well i would follow mamie's advice can we follow you on twitter actually now that i mentioned it can we follow you on twitter
1: absolutely twitter instagram facebook i'm everywhere
0: mamie camphor stewart ceo and founder of meteor i had to be cheesy but it was nice to meet you today and uh, we gotta have you back okay i would love to have you back on this podcast
1: absolutely it'd be my pleasure thank you so much
0: you got it i'm alex garrett and remember on this podcast we are always adapting